On New Year's Day, 1801, astronomer Giuseppe Piazzi peered through his telescope and saw something no one else had before, an unidentified light glimmering in the Taurus constellation. Perhaps a new star. The next night, he searched for the light again, only to find it had moved, which should have been impossible. Stars drift across the sky, but slowly. This light had leaped to an entirely new position far away. At first, Piazzi assumed he'd made a mistake. Maybe he wrote the wrong location in his notes, or his eyes were playing tricks on him. But by January 4th, the truth was unmistakable. His light was zipping across the cosmos. Eventually, Piazzi and his contemporaries realized this object wasn't a sun at all. It didn't move or look like a comet either. It was a rock about 580 miles wide called Ceres, hurtling through space at incredible speeds. Because it looked so similar to a star through the telescope, Scientists called Ceres an asteroid, a word that originated from a Greek term meaning star-like. Throughout most of the 18th century, many researchers believed it was impossible for space rocks to fall from the sky. Common wisdom suggested they stayed in space. But before long, scientists adjusted their expectations. They realized asteroids and meteors could plummet to our planet. And about a century later, they witnessed just how deadly these space rocks can be. Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm your host, Molly. And I'm your host, Richard. In life, there's so much we don't know, but in this show, we don't take we don't know for an answer. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth. You can find episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. The end of the year is approaching, and maybe the end of the world. So for three weeks, we're talking about potential doomsday scenarios. We'll explore the ways the Earth might be destroyed and whether any of us have a shot at survival. Is it time to stock your fallout shelter, flee to another country, or should you simply resign yourself to your fate? Today, we're examining asteroids, meteors, and solar flares, all of which originate in space but could spell devastation for our planet. Next time, we'll bring our focus back down to Earth as we discuss some of the most world-threatening weapons humans have ever created. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Blair. Want to hear something scary? Join me as I read the creepiest urban legends, folk tales, and ghost stories that I learn on my travels around the world and that we receive from listeners like you. But only if you think you can handle it. Listen on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, sweet screams. On June 30th, 1908, around 7.15 a.m., a brilliant ball of fire appeared over the Podkamanaya Tunguska River in Siberia. Seconds later, a booming shockwave rippled outward. According to witnesses, it sounded like a blast of gunfire. Forty miles away from the epicenter of the event, one old man sat on a porch when suddenly the shockwave literally blew him out of his seat. The warmth was so intense, he assumed his shirt had caught fire. But when the surge passed, he climbed back to his feet and confirmed he was okay. His shirt hadn't ignited. If he peered around the trading post where he sat, he didn't see anything to explain the strange blast. However, something lit up the sky for the rest of the day and the following night. In parts of Asia, people could reportedly read a book without turning a light on at midnight, thanks to the strange celestial glow. In the Western world, ominous clouds darkened the skies. No one knew what caused the strange phenomena. The Tunguska region was sparsely populated, and reports suggest no one was close enough to the blast site to see what had happened. The lack of local population meant the phenomenon killed at most three people, though this remains unconfirmed and there may not have been any human deaths at all. In lieu of real answers, some turn to supernatural explanations or conspiracy theories. Others assume the so-called Tunguska event was a sign of divine judgment. It took 19 years for a researcher to investigate the real cause of the explosion. Leonid Kulik managed the space rock collection at the St. Petersburg Museum. He journeyed to Tunguska to study the aftermath of what he believed was a deadly meteorite impact. Over several expeditions, Kulik interviewed the witnesses who still remembered the incident. He also journeyed into the wilds to examine the region where a meteorite may have landed. On one visit, he found a swath of trees lying on their side. The affected area stretched as far as he could see. Kulik strode through the trees, boggled by the arboreal graveyard. Eighty million trees had fallen. They laid in a massive circle, with their roots pointed toward the center. It was like something had rippled through the ground, uprooting everything that lay in its path. 
Kulik hiked up a high ridge, hoping he could see the epicenter from above. Surely there would be a deep crater where a meteorite landed. Instead, he saw a flat plain with no sign of an impact. Where the divot should have been, splintered and skeletal trees dotted a five-mile-wide barren plain. Kulik could explain how certain trees were still standing, but he couldn't account for how a space rock could have caused so much damage without scarring the Earth. The mystery baffled researchers for decades, until September 2020, when a team led by Daniil Krenikov proposed a new explanation. Perhaps a meteorite didn't hit the Earth at all. Maybe the damage was caused by an iron asteroid that was passing by. Meteors are small pieces of asteroids or comets that break off and enter the Earth's atmosphere. They're given the name meteorites when they hit the ground. By Krenikov's team proposing that the Tunguska event was caused by an asteroid rather than a meteor, they essentially said a whole space rock rather than a smaller piece entered our planet's atmosphere. Asteroids can be massive, up to hundreds of miles across. Some have estimated that the Tunguska asteroid may have been the size of a football stadium, and because of its metallic composition, it wouldn't have melted easily. Especially since scientists believe the iron mass didn't descend all the way to the Earth's surface. It just passed through the atmosphere. This likely would have generated friction, causing the asteroid to heat up. Under enough pressure, the space rock could have exploded, causing the powerful shockwave attributed to the Tunguska event. Rather than destroy the asteroid, the rock continued on its trajectory out of the atmosphere and back into space. This would explain why no one found an impact crater. There just wasn't one to find. A similar situation happened on February 15, 2013. That morning, a brilliant ball of light illuminated the Russian city of Chelyabinsk. Some described it as looking like a second sun. The flash was followed by a shockwave, roughly 22 times more powerful than the atomic bomb in Nagasaki. It blew out approximately one million windows and left around 1,000 people injured. Scientists believe the blast came from a meteor that broke up over Chelyabinsk. It exploded about 15 miles above the surface of the Earth, or a little more than two times higher than the average commercial flight's altitude. And it was still less powerful than the Tunguska event. In other words, if the Chelyabinsk meteor was any bigger, or if the Tunguska asteroid had burst over a more populated area, the devastation could have been harrowing. In fact, we know from the geological record that asteroid impacts have been significant enough to wipe out whole ecosystems, some reshaping life as we know it. And if they've happened before, they can strike again. Coming up, the worst asteroid impact in recorded history. Now back to the story. The KT event is the most famous asteroid impact in Earth's history. But you know it better as the event that may have wiped out the dinosaurs. About 65 million years ago, 
scientists believe a roughly six-mile-long rock plummeted from the sky. It struck what is today the northwestern corner of the Yucatan Peninsula, leaving behind a circular 112-mile diameter crater. Researchers at the Los Alamos National Laboratory used computer simulations to explore what the destructive crash may have looked like. Author Douglas Preston described their findings in a piece with The New Yorker. He wrote that the impact was so powerful, the asteroid dislodged 25 trillion metric tons of soil, rock, and dust. Imagine the mass of every building, sidewalk, vehicle, person, and pet in Manhattan. Then multiply it by over 220,000. That's how much sediment the asteroid kicked up. And that's just the debris that became airborne. The impact also created a ridge of Earth taller than Mount Everest, a column of fire that reached halfway to the moon incinerated what was left of the asteroid. According to Preston, boiling hot molten material splashed across much of the North American continent. Some of it rocketed out of the Earth's atmosphere and into space. These splashes may have hardened and become meteors that later struck the moons of Jupiter and Saturn. Fires spontaneously broke out all across the Earth, engulfing the entire Indian subcontinent. Ash rained down on the ground, poisoning plants. Massive tidal waves ripped apart shores and beaches. And this was just the immediate aftermath. It took months for all the dirt, ash, and other debris to fall from the sky. And in that time, sunlight couldn't penetrate the polluted cloud cover. Cold-blooded creatures froze as temperatures plummeted. As plants withered, oxygen levels decreased, killing 99.9999% of all living creatures. Three quarters of Earth's species went extinct. Earth was a barren wasteland devoid of life, except for ferns and a small number of creatures that would eventually evolve into every living mammal we know today. Naturally, there weren't any humans around, which is lucky for us because such an event would have been terrifying to witness. But that doesn't mean we won't experience another asteroid strike in the future. These destructive impacts occur fairly regularly. Space rocks at least the size of the Chelyabinsk meteor hit our planet once every 10 to 100 years, on average. We may be due for one soon. In fact, scientists have their eye on an asteroid that will pass close to our planet in just a few years, around 2029. The object is called Apophis, which is an apt name. Apophis is the enemy of the Egyptian sun god Ra and is often associated with death, chaos, and certain natural disasters. The asteroid Apophis tends to cross paths with the Earth on a semi-regular basis. And it's big, nearly 1,000 feet across, or around the height of the Eiffel Tower. The good news is, scientists don't think Apophis will hit the Earth directly in 2029. They believe it'll be roughly 2,000 times farther away than the distance they've estimated for the Tunguska asteroid. 
so the risk of another deadly shockwave seems fairly low. But it will likely come closer than some satellites currently orbiting Earth. And on some future occasion, Apophis might do more than brush past our planet. The asteroid could enter our atmosphere one day. If it collides with Earth, the damage will probably cause the equivalent of dozens, possibly hundreds of nuclear weapons detonating in a single location. The impact site and thousands of miles around it would be flattened. We can only pray it wouldn't land on or near a populated area. Even though we can calculate its potential damage and estimate its arrival, that may not be enough to prevent the end of the world, especially if our officials don't take the threat seriously. For most of its history, NASA didn't have a team dedicated to handling asteroid strikes. But that began to change in the 1990s when the organization started studying potentially hazardous near-Earth objects. Then, in 2016, they took a huge step forward with the formation of the Planetary Defense Coordination Office. They and other organizations use telescopes to scour the skies. They say they've identified about 40% of asteroids measuring larger than 460 feet, which means they potentially have no idea where the other 60% are or if they're headed our way. Government agencies have started to crowdsource some of its work, encouraging amateur stargazers to report strange objects they spot in the cosmos. But they can't catch everything. Let's imagine we do recognize an asteroid that's on a collision course with Earth. Astronomers have outlined a few steps governments could take to protect our world. They could launch a spacecraft, when the vessel crashes into the rock, it might push it off course. Or they could send a rocket into space where it would end up flying alongside the asteroid. The hope is that the probe's gravity would pull the asteroid off course. Unfortunately, both these methods can be very slow. And some space rocks are large enough that they have their own moons. So there's a lot to factor into any equation. We could shoot a weapon at it and try to blow it apart. But this just might make the problem worse. Exploding an asteroid doesn't make it go away. It just turns a large-scale threat into a bunch of smaller, deadly projectiles. Researchers will know more about how to deflect space rocks very soon thanks to a program called the Double Asteroid Redirection Test, or DART. Basically, there's an asteroid in our solar system called Didymus, and it has a smaller asteroid orbiting it, called Dimorphos. The twin space rocks are not on a collision course with Earth. They don't pose a risk at all, but their distance from us makes them perfect targets for a test. In November 2021, researchers launched a rocket on a collision course with Dimorphos. They hoped the spacecraft could knock the small object off course, proving our anti-asteroid technology works. If the experiment was a failure, better to know sooner rather than later. The crash happened on September 26, 2022, and according to NASA, it was a success. The collision shortened Dimorphos's orbit by 32 minutes, which is a pretty significant change, all things considered. 
NASA Administrator Bill Nelson called it a watershed moment, saying, quote, This mission shows that NASA is trying to be ready for whatever the universe throws at us. But trying is the key word in that sentence, because even though that mission succeeded, even our best technology will be useless against other threats from the cosmos, some of which we put up there ourselves. The Earth's orbit is riddled with space junk. Thousands of defunct satellites, pieces of rockets shed during launches, and other bits and pieces of debris that wind up circling our planet. Some groups, including the Chinese government, have tried to eliminate this orbital trash by blowing it up with rockets. By and large, this has only made the problem worse. For example, when a satellite explodes, the shrapnel doesn't go anywhere. The smaller pieces continue to flow through Earth's thermo and exospheres until they don't. On average, about one piece of space junk lands on our planet every day. Because the majority of the Earth is uninhabited by humans, most of these projectiles aren't a concern. If bits of debris land in the ocean or in an open field, people are unlikely to be hurt. But space junk could pose a threat to astronauts in the future. The pieces whip around our planet so fast, they're basically bullets in space. If a ship or an astronaut in a suit collides with a bit of trash, it could puncture a hull and kill anyone unlucky enough to be in its way. This could trigger a domino effect. More space junk in orbit creates more space junk. Eventually, this will trigger the Kessler Syndrome, in which space exploration becomes nearly impossible because a ring of trash will impede everything from leaving our planet. This wouldn't pose an immediate or direct threat to human life, but it would hamper our development. Good luck colonizing other planets or mining asteroids if we can't even send unmanned rockets into space. Not to mention, the Kessler Syndrome would likely destroy most or all of our satellites, meaning we'd need to find new ways to broadcast television, monitor weather, or track GPS signals. Space junk isn't the only potential threat. If we ever suffered a global internet outage, it might begin millions of miles away from our planet, on the sun. The sun doesn't have a solid surface. Instead, it has several layers, some of which continually spew invisible, magnetically charged particles into space. When these bursts of energy fly off the star and out into the cosmos, it creates what's called solar wind. The Earth's magnetic field serves as a buffer against solar winds. Rather than strike our planet directly, the charged particles interact with our upper atmosphere, creating harmless but breathtaking bands of color. You probably know them as the Northern Lights. But every 9 to 14 years, the sun goes through a period of heightened activity. It releases coronal mass ejections, or CMEs. These are like supercharged solar winds, and some are powerful enough that our magnetic field can't deflect them entirely. An extra intense CME can send massive electric pulses through cables and wires, potentially disrupting our entire global internet infrastructure. And one is due to hit us within the next five years. 
CMEs have struck the Earth before. In 1859, solar particles bathed the planet, altering the Earth's magnetic field and interfering with electric currents worldwide. The blast electrified telegraph networks. Some caught fire. Others transmitted messages even after technicians cut power to them. There was that much ambient energy. Some operators reported electric shocks when they tried to operate their equipment. Meanwhile, a Rory, some bright enough to read by, appeared all across the globe. It's hard to predict how a major CME event would affect our society today. But researcher Sangeeta Abdujoti of UC Irvine believes strong solar winds might be powerful enough to take out our undersea internet cables. It's tempting to think of the internet as something ephemeral, like Wi-Fi, an invisible signal that's all around us all the time. But our infrastructure depends on physical equipment, like undersea cables, to connect continents. If any one part of a cord is damaged, the entire pathway for communication will likely shut down. A 2006 earthquake snapped eight different undersea cables off of East Asia. This caused outages in Hong Kong, China, Korea, and Japan. Likewise, in 2012, Hurricane Sandy broke the cable between North America and Europe. For hours, digital communication between the continents was disrupted. Luckily, these failings weren't totally catastrophic. The cable systems are designed to have redundancies and internet traffic can be rerouted so long as some of the system is running. But seawater is a very effective conductor. One blast from a large enough CME could take the entire system down. Repairs could take months. A CME could even fry the satellites that orbit our planet, wreaking havoc on GPS networks worldwide. It's also possible that such an event could disrupt power grids on a major scale. One in 1989 sparked blackouts across all of Quebec. And as we mentioned earlier, the sun is about to enter one of its active periods. This is why some scientists predict that in the mid-2020s, we could see stronger solar winds and more CMEs than ever before. Meaning, within the next five years or so, our entire society might have to revert back to analog-era technology. Overnight. Are you sure you're ready? Let's find out. Coming up, a glimpse into a world without the internet. Now, back to the story. Imagine a world where rolling blackouts are common. You can't rely on refrigeration, so you have to stock up on your perishables daily. This might be your future if a CME takes out our power and internet networks. In this world, you may not be able to withdraw money from the bank anymore. Processes that are currently automated, like bill pay or direct deposit, will have to be done with pen and paper without a centralized computer system. This will make it hard for larger chains to track account balances across the country, meaning they may shut down all consumer activity entirely. In an instant, your life savings could be erased. 
credit cards will be useless for the same reason. And you can forget about apps like PayPal, Venmo, and Apple Pay. In a world without the internet, GPS navigation won't work. Without digital systems to manage the logistics, international shipping processes will fall into a shambles. Container cranes won't be able to unload vessels without GPS. Stores and factories would struggle to time their orders for restocking. You thought supply chain issues were nightmarish during COVID-19? That's nothing compared to a world after a major CME. Trains and buses will likely still run, but engineers will have to rethink digital schedules and routes. Commuters will surely find public transit unreliable. The American economy would take a huge hit, with blue-collar workers being among the hardest hit. Many people in service positions depend on the web for advertising and to generate leads. Your average handyman, plumber, or mechanic would have a hard time finding new customers. And their customers would have just as hard a time finding them. This future might sound nightmarish, but we can mitigate risks. Before the sun hits peak activity, engineers can lay new undersea cables in lower latitudes. The more decentralized our infrastructure, the harder it will be for a solar event to take the entire internet down. Of course, we won't know if we have enough redundancies until the CMEs hit. The good news is, we'll have about three days warning before any solar winds reach the Earth. This could provide enough time to power down our satellites to minimize damage. And even if we lose some internet connectivity, we're unlikely to see the entire power grid go down. It would take an unusually strong and targeted CME to trigger a global electrical outage. But it may be a good idea to stock up on the essentials, just in case. One group is already prepping for this eventuality, and they're not the kind of person you might expect. They're Silicon Valley techies. A digital marketing entrepreneur named John Ramey spent a long time believing he had to hide his interest in prepping. Silicon Valley is a land of tech startups, million-dollar homes, and overpriced coffees. Ramey feared he'd stick out like a sore thumb if his colleagues knew about his stores for food, water, and other survival tools. He probably felt like an outsider in some circles of the prepper community, too especially among the survivalists who spouted conspiracy theories and extremist political rhetoric. By contrast, Ramey's fears were grounded in what he considered more realistic worries, like natural disasters, economic downturns, pandemics, power and internet outages. Ramey thought of himself as a rational prepper. But he kept his habits quiet, assuming no one from his day-to-day -day life would understand, until the day he accidentally outed himself. After a coffee meeting with a colleague, Ramey popped open his trunk, and the co-worker saw his get-home bag inside. That's prepper speak for an emergency kit with tools Ramey might need to get home in a disaster, like rations, a map and compass, and a small knife. But rather than judge him, in the next few days, his peers started approaching him, asking for advice on how they could prepare for a disaster too. 
Eventually, Ramey started compiling all his best tips and tricks into a shared Google Doc so his friends and associates could have all the information at their fingertips. But as time went on, this ceased to be feasible. There was too much demand for info on rational prepping. So in 2018, Ramey founded his website, theprepared.com. The hub features tips for beginner preppers and advises them to focus on the most likely disasters, not allowing paranoia or fear to take over their lives. It reviews supplies and gear and shares updates on global news stories that may be relevant to doomsday prepping. Ramey's focus on rational preparedness seems to resonate with his tech-centric peers. Silicon Valley now has a robust prepper community. In interviews with media outlets such as the New York Times and the BBC, they say they used to be embarrassed about anticipating a doomsday scenario. They feared judgment. But after the COVID-19 pandemic hit, everything changed. It turns out you don't need to face a full-blown apocalypse for prepping to pay off. A store of first aid supplies and food can help you get through a minor disaster like a storm, or a lockdown, or a CME-induced blackout. A major solar flare won't wipe out humanity. It could just make life a lot harder. Conversely, an asteroid impact would be a lot more destructive. So much so, a shelter and stockpile of supplies may not be enough to keep you alive. Some scenarios are just too devastating to fully prepare for. Others can be mitigated, but only with intentional, thoughtful advanced planning. No matter how many food rations, bottles of water, and battery-powered radios you stock up on, they may not get you through one of the most devastating doomsday scenarios, a nuclear apocalypse. Thanks again for tuning in to Unexplained Mysteries. We will be back next time, assuming the world doesn't end before then. In our next episode, we'll brave radioactive fallout, plunge into the seedy world of nuclear bunker vending, and explore what the world might look like after an atomic war. You can find all episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. See you next time. And remember, never take we don't know for an answer. Unexplained Mysteries is a Spotify original from Parcast, executive produced by Max Cutler. Our head of programming is Julian Boireau. Our supervising sound designer is Russell Nash, with Nick Johnson as our head of production and quality control by Lisa Marie Gallegos. Ali Wicker is our supervising editor, and Derek Jennings is our writing lead. This episode of Unexplained Mysteries was written by Angela Jorgensen, edited by Connor Sampson, fact-checked by Bennett Logan, researched by Josephine Cahew and Chelsea Wood, recorded by Freddie Rivera, produced by Bruce Katovich, and sound designed by Juan Borda. Our hosts are Molly Brandenburg and me, Richard Rossner. <laughs> <laughs>